You're listening to Doctrine and Duty, podcast of Brian Ray, Senior Pastor of Alexander Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia, where biblical theology meets everyday Christian life. Good day to you, beloved, and welcome again to another episode of Doctrine and Duty. Brian Ray here with you. I know what you're thinking. Yet again, is you never going to have anybody else on on the podcast? No, probably not, because it's my podcast, so this is just what I do. So, sorry. Okay, now that we've moved beyond uh, the complaint filings, um, <laughs> uh, we're going to jump in. We're on a journey uh, looking at church unity and uh, looking at various passages of Scripture. So it's a theological and practical study. Basically, we're looking at the doctrine of church unity. And, of course, uh, this this can obviously deal with, with unity in the family, Unity at home, unity in marriage, unity at work, unity on the job, unity amongst neighbors, uh, believers, and, and on and on the list could go. But today, I'm really excited because today we're in Romans chapter 12. And uh, I'm excited because normally when you think of Romans chapter 12, most people think of Romans 12, 1 through 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. It's a little bit difficult for me to read in the ESV because I'm so used to having it memorized in the KJV. But there you have Romans 12, 1 through 2. But our passage for today is verses 3 through 5. So listen to the follow-up of that. It says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Wow, what a powerful passage. So I think one of the first things that we can look at in this text, one of the first uh, notes to make about unity, church unity specifically, is that humility is required. Now think about that. There's going to be so much division and heartache and dysfunction and disunity uh, in the midst of a church that's filled with prideful members because, you know, with pride comes stubborn, thus the expression stubborn pride. So you've got a lot of stiff-necked rebels in the midst, and uh, there's going to be a fight. <laughs> there's just going to be. Somebody's going to be mad, and somebody's going to want their way, and they're going to want it now. But the text says that we are not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. Well, how, how should we think of ourselves? Well, we should think of ourselves as saved, but saved by the grace of God. We should see ourselves as, ourselves as blessed, uh, but only as the Lord determines. And so whatever good we see in us, it's all because we are in Christ. And so uh, we should think that we are special to God, but not very special in the sight of others. We've got work to do. So uh, the believer should be marked by humility, and that will help the church uh, in its search and journey toward church unity. It says, but instead to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So I think that is one way we can look at that is is to humbly consider ourselves in light of who Christ is and who Christ and what Christ has done and, and then as we think about who he is and what he's done we think about who we are and what we've done well that's a 
that's a sobering thought, right? Um, and the measure of faith that God has assigned. I mean, we we understand that grace, mercy, faith, these are all love. These are all gifts from Almighty God. And so God has assigned them, and so we praise Him for them. Then the next verse, it says, As in one body we have many members. Interesting. The reference there to the local church, I believe, uh, many members. Um, uh, the analogy is that your body has many parts, right? And they don't all have the same function. We listen with our ears, we talk with our mouths, we smell with our noses, etc., etc. Uh, and, and you can't get those mixed up, by the way. You can't listen with your nose, you can't smell with your eyes, you can't see with your ears. It doesn't work that way. And that's the way it is in the church, by way of analogy, is that there are so many different functions in the church and so many different people that have different functions. There, there, there doesn't need to be uh, three, two, even three, four, five, six lead pastors. Um, you only need one lead pastor. And, and then that some people are really into hospitality. And then some people, you don't want them in the hospitality ministry. You want them um, outside working uh, on the grounds because they love to do, right? And, and so there's lots and lots of different functions. And, and, and we get this also in Paul's letter, not only to the Romans here, but also in his letter to the, the church at Corinth when he talks about spiritual gifts and things such as that. And so we do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ. And that's the key. People talk about unity all the time as if it's uniformity. Unity is not uniformity. We have many members, many functions, many people doing different things, and there is unity in that, right? Uniformity says we've all got to be doing the same thing. And that's not what church unity is about. As a matter of fact, we should all be doing very different things, but it all adds up. Just like your body parts, they all work together. To have, wow, this thing works pretty good. I mean, obviously, the older you get, the worse it, it gets. But but for the most part, it works. It functions. Because that's the way God set it up. And very similarly, that's the way it's in the church. If we will do what God told us to do, and we'll all do what God's called us to, to do and serve Him in our spiritual gift, then guess what? It works. That's the way God set it up to function. And so we're individually members of one another. Uh, I love that phrase. It says, though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So many, one body in Christ, one church. But that last part, um, individually members of one another. <laughs> we're not only in Christ, we're not only forming the church, but we are individually members of one another. That is a That strikes a strong chord a strong argument for unity. Individually, we're members, you expect it to say of the church or of one body, but it says we're members of one another individually. So we are intricately connected to each other in the local church. And I, and I think I think many churches miss this. Um, I've tried to really focus on this throughout my ministry by talking about the church being your, your family. Your, your church family, very important, strong ties, and you don't quit on your family, you don't check out on your family, you don't sin against your family, you don't run your family down, you don't gossip or slander, you don't um, you don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, all of these things. And I think the argument here is is for that. Individually members of one another. We belong to each other. We belong together. We're supposed to be doing life together, and we're not supposed to check out on each other or forsake each other. So that's the passage um, from Romans 12 verses 3 through 5, and I do I do like what verse 16 says down in the text just a little bit. It says, live in harmony with one another. 
Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. That goes along with the humility that I talked about earlier. But live in harmony with one another. Um, you know that age-old expression, can't we all just get along? I mean, if anybody should get along, it should be believers, right? I mean, if there is a group of people anywhere in the world that should have the right priorities and the right purposes and the right direction, it's the people of God. And so we've got to get it right. I mean, we've got to get it right for, for the glory of God and for the gospel and for ourselves, but also for those people out there that are looking, wondering what in the world the church has become. Well, now, um, to the practical side of things. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 through 3, we have a very practical example. One of the things I like about Paul is that he was willing to call people out by name. Now, I don't think as a pastor I can get away with that today. Uh, I'm not sure I want to, by the way. But wouldn't you hate to be like in some sort of church history book? Wouldn't you hate to, to have your name listed in a negative way? Yeah, remember that so-and-so, yeah. He's the one or she's the one that, you know, did this or that. Well, that's kind of what we have here. Paul says in Philippians 4, verse 2, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche. Now, as far as the pronunciation of those names, I have no idea if that's right or not. I'm assuming it is. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche. In other words, I'm urging them to agree in the Lord. Okay, so why would Paul ask strongly that these two um, ladies agree in the Lord. Well, obviously, they were disagreeing. And um, it wasn't just, you know, practical matters, because practical matters is not going to get you called out in the Bible, right? I mean, you know, oh, I, I like, I like uh, you know, blue, well, I like red, so let's fight about it and have Paul write a verse about it. No. There was something serious enough spiritually going on with these two women that Paul puts them in the Scripture by the, by the leadership of the Holy Spirit, says, I entreat... Euodia, and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. I don't, I don't know if you've thought about lately that the desire of God, the urging of God through His Word, is that we would agree in the Lord. That You and I would have the same outlook, the same perspective on theology, and, and on church life, that we would agree in these things. He says in verse 3, Yes, and I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life. In other words, he sees that whatever's going on with these two women, it is distracting. It's distracting his companion. It's distracting the two women. It's distracting the church. And Paul gives a strong reason. He says, they have labored side by side with me in the gospel, side by side with Clement and with all the others whose names are written in the book of life. All of these church folks, who are both saved and sold out to Jesus. They've all worked together for sake of the gospel. They have to stop. And, you know, sometimes that, that's been my desire uh, for ministry counsel. When someone comes and they say, hey, I'm this or I'm doing that, or I'm what, you know, my, my, my go-to is, okay, well, stop. Now, I don't always do that. As a matter of fact, most times I don't. But that's, that's kind of what you want to say. It's kind of like you're talking to, you know, your child that you love and you say, "Well, well obviously that's against what the Bible says, so just just stop it." You know, stop. Um 
Paul is saying, stop. <laughs> you know, stop. I need you to agree in the Lord. Please stop. It's 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 not worth it. As a matter of fact, it will harm the body of Christ and bring harm not only to your relationship, but harm your testimony of the local church. So so I, I would say if there's a great, 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 great struggle, I would say, you know, we should consider what the Word of God says and, and consider our own life. And if we're disobedient to the Word, stop and come back to the Lord. And don't be those people. Don't be those people who are known by name in the church for causing disunity. Instead, be those faithful people whose names are written in the book of life, who are serving side by side in the gospel with the rest of the fellow workers of God for the glory of God. All right, folks, listen, I hope you have a great day. If you don't have anywhere to come to church, hey, I got a great one, Alexander Baptist Church. You can join us online, join us in person right here in Chesapeake, Virginia in the 23321 area code. I'm sorry, zip code, 757 area code. We'd love to have you. Uh, love to have you uh, join us for worship Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We've got a lot going on, and uh, and we love you, and we appreciate you. Take care. You've been listening to Doctrine and Duty, a podcast of Alexander Baptist Church, located at 4316 Pamela Court, Chesapeake, Virginia. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m., and find us online at abch.org.